Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is co-host, Arzu. Hello. Last week, we talked about SG-1 Season 4, Episodes 14 and 15, with plenty of political drama. And today, we're going to be talking about Episodes 16 and 17, 2010 and Absolute Power. 2010 premiered on January 12th, 2001. It was written by Brad Wright and directed by Andy Mikita. Absolute Power premiered on January 19th, 2001. It was written by Robert C. Cooper and directed by Peter DeLuise. Before we get started, I do have a little update. So I've been keeping a tally of how many people were in all three of the main shows. Okay. And so I added another background person. Kirby Morrow was in two episodes of SG-1, one of Universe, and eight of Atlantis as Captain David, Dave Kleinman. And then there's also a guy, Trevor Jones, who was a stunt performer on all three shows. So I don't know if that counts. It should. He works hard. So we've got, if you count the stunt performer, then we're up to 13 people. Fun. Yeah. All right, Arzu, will you kick us off for some summaries? So let me just start by saying it is extremely bold for them to do two this doesn't this never really happened episodes back to back like that is a bold <laughs> choice i was gonna call them it was all a dream episodes but like only one of them was a dream um <laughs> so the first episode 2010 is set in 2010 mm-hmm. um and earth has you know very plausibly just completely let an alien race take over yeah and do whatever they wanted um and they realize, the team realizes far too late, this was a terrible idea. And I'm like, you know what, that tracks. Um, and Absolute Power. Oh my god. I don't know how to pronounce this. Harcesis? Har- yeah. Harcesis, a.k.a. Sheree's baby, a.k.a. he has another name too. Um, Shifu. Shifu shows up. He's like 10 years old. Uh-huh. He's spouting vague things. Uh-huh. And it was all a dream. <laughs> also, Daniel apparently has memories of Sheree to share. And I'm like, sure would have been great to have some of those while she was alive. But anyway. <laughs> and, you know, for episodes that like normally Daniel not having glasses signals that something is off. That was true for absolute power. But in 2010, he had glasses, which was kind of weird, actually, because they spoke like they have this these people who are helping them who have advanced medical thingies and yet they couldn't cure his bad eyes. I wonder if you know? he uh, elected to keep it. And because it was a <laughs> member of that SG one team that brought them that they kind of uh-huh. let him do it. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote. Okay. Wait a second here. We are considering changing the lives of the entire human race on earth. Do we have the right? And your guess was that Sam is talking and they're working on a project at the midpoint of the episode where they have to make a momentous decision and Sam is concerned about the ethics. I think I can give you a point for context, but it was Dr. Frazier who delivered the line. So, yeah. That's half a point. <laughs> yeah. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. Kira agrees that you should get the point. Thanks, Kiki. Can you please stop scratching my rug? <laughs> Did she stop? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> she just wanted attention, honestly. 
Yeah, she, she really might like she really likes the texture of that particular rug. So yeah. <laughs> Cats, what are you gonna do? <laughs> so my first note for this first episode, 2010, is Arzu's gonna be upset. <laughs> Okay, I wasn't as upset as I could have been because at first it was not Jack, whose name I have chosen to forget. Joe. Yeah, okay. I was just reading a book where like the like this other love interest was named Joe, and I'm like, I've got that wrong. But no, it was Joe here too. Yeah. Um, so Joe shows up and I'm like, ew, who is this? And then I realize episode title and the fact that they're all doing that thing that they did in like the early 2000s when they want to show it's the future. Uh -huh. so they're all wearing these like different collars and these like uh -huh fabrics that like nobody yeah. at any point in human history has actually worn like unironically yeah. <laughs> they're wearing this and i'm like oh right this is the future what happened to jack and then right. they're at the ceremony and jack's not there and then yeah. they're all toasting and jack's not there and i'm like he's dead he's dead and they're like where is he like why didn't he come i'm like oh thank god <laughs> so just coming off of that yeah so much worse yeah it definitely could have been worse but yeah i figured that you would be upset at seeing sam with somebody else how look listen jack was so upset when she went to see him later in the episode and there's this uh -huh. big romantic score playing uh-huh so did you like his scruffy look i loved his scruffy look <laughs> i thought you would I, like but okay i was mad that it was such a wasted opportunity because i'm like if the problem if the reason you two aren't a couple is military protocol then when you leave the military i get that you're upset with sam but when you leave the military like bang it out <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's anyway, true. That, so. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> so, yeah, the episode opens and we basically find out that this race called the Ashen is supposedly they're the saviors of Earth, basically, because we became friends with them and they defeated the Gwauld for us. And they are helping with, like, medical stuff. There's an anti-aging vaccine and an anti-cancer vaccine. I'm not sure. What, I guess they don't have a thing for eyes yet since Daniel still has glasses. But <laughs> Or they just don't like him. <laughs> yeah. And they apparently have the technology to be able to turn Jupiter into a star because that's the project that Sam is working on with one of the Ashen. And also just a random side note, I think they like couldn't decide on a pronunciation whether it was gonna be Ashen or Ashen because they can't decide on a pronunciation for gold either. Yeah, well, because Jack says it differently. And then also in the scene where Sam is talking to Jack for the first time, if you watch closely, her mouth doesn't move quite right every time she says Ashen. So I think they redubbed those lines and changed <laughs> her pronunciation. Because I, I was just like, why is her mouth weird in this scene? <laughs> and like, and Jax was fine. <laughs> and so it's like, it's not like it's, you know, off a half of a second or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like they had gone back and redubbed her lines. <laughs> so that was weird. <laughs> so they are having a celebration for 10 years since they met the Ashen. And so, I mean, everything, yeah, is very futuristic. The Stargate is in this huge building with 
massive windows. I don't know how the heat and cool that place. It's just massive. That's a but, real place, uh, though. Is it? It's got to be. That's true. Yeah. It's probably in Vancouver. Yeah. It's probably like a botanical something or other. Right. Yeah, probably. And I was just so confused about like the placement of the Stargate, though, because <laughs> they have it up on this on this a series of like stairs going up to the Stargate. I'm like, but a ramp was ADA compliant and allowed for vehicles to go in and out. So what's with the stairs? Well, if they're out here eugenicsing the human race, which I know we haven't gotten to yet. Yeah. But if they're out here doing a eugenics, there's no need to be ADA compliant. But then what about, like, MALPs? Do they not send MALPs out anymore? Guess not. I mean, the MALPs can go up and down stairs because there are stairs on other Stargates on other planets, and the MALPs have to go up and down those stairs. But it just seems inefficient. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just seems like... I, it looks... It, the placement looked decorative to me. Like, they had brought it in for the ceremony, and they're going to put it back. Right. <laughs> somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, so they've got, basically, they've got it set up kind of like a plane terminal, in a way. Because you, like, go down this escalator and you have to go through security. I would assume that you had to go through security to get in the building in the first place. And then go through again. Because anything could happen, right? Right. But then, I don't know, they, they must not have had security to go get into the building. Because then, later in this episode, Jack comes in with tools they never would have allowed in. So true. So, so maybe they need to raise security. Area. Yeah. Well, they're never gonna because they changed the timeline. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, we have a video call from now President Kinsey. And I, I swear Kinsey calls Teal'c Teak rather than Teal'c. But I heard that too. I'm like, did he change his name? <laughs> but then nobody else called him anything else. So I was just like, oh, he's just He's, it just just feels he's just doing racism. <laughs> it feels extra offensive given that Obama was president in 2010. Right? I mean, like, they couldn't have known that. They couldn't have known. But in retrospect, it feels extra yeah. offensive. I'm like, they got this George Bush alike uh-huh. in 2010. Well, it's okay. They fixed the timeline. So, so, so the. <laughs> what are they called? Ashen? Ashen. See, now I'm doing it. <laughs> The Ashen are the reason Obama didn't get elected. <laughs> yeah, okay. I'm I'm okay with that. Canon. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and also I just thought it was really weird that Kinsey was just there via like telecall or whatever instead of being there in person because they have teleporters now, thanks to the Ashen. So could he, he just really just didn't want to be there? Right? Like, <laughs> who, who else was going to sit by that roaring fire of his? I would assume that there's a teleporter straight from the White House to the Stargate. You know, that seems like. He didn't want to get up <laughs> out of his little armchair. I guess. Yeah, he was like cozy by a fire or something. Maybe he was like in a vacation home at the time or something. And he like didn't want to fly in because like the teleporters don't go everywhere i'm sure <laughs> this could not be bothered 
And so they do like a 21 gun salute to mark the anniversary. And the Ashen apparently hate gunfire because they all plug their ears. <laughs> I mean, Brooklyn. valid. It's loud. Yeah. And so um, Frasier is still around. It was, it was really nice to have her in this episode too and not to be only SG-1. But apparently in this timeline, Hammond died six years ago. And which they end up talking about how the Ashen doctor said that he had a heart attack, but now in retrospect, they think he was probably murdered. <gasps> yeah. So then we meet Malum. He is the only Ashen that gets a name in this episode, and the only one that has lines, I think, too. <laughs> He's the only one that matters. <laughs> yeah. And so he works with Sam, or I guess actually Sam works with him doing various sciencey things. I think he was also one of the ones to negotiate the treaty. And so because the Ashen coming like radically changed how the SGC operated, I mean I'm assuming the SGC doesn't really exist anymore because now it's all public and international and everything. So Sam still works on Stargate related stuff. I think Daniel does too. Didn't specifically say what it is that he does, Daniel but he does still has a job. He still does something archaeology related and he still goes through the Stargate on he various just things. Looks at rocks and talks to walls or whatever he does. You know, as usual. As you do. <laughs> and Jack had predicted that things would go bad with the Ashen and he didn't want them to do the treaty in the first place so he quit when they made the treaty and he was right Tilk, yeah, and Tilk went back to live on Chulak apparently and, and he's looking great his skin is cleared yeah he's healthy glowing honestly I think one of the most interesting things of this entire episode was like pretty much like throwaway line about how the Jaffa are having a really hard time of it because all the gold were wiped out, which means that there is a rapidly dwindling amount of Primta symbiotes that the Jaffa can use, which they need to live. And so getting rid of all of the gold means that now all of the Jaffa are going to die out at least all the ones who have a pouch. I mean, I guess the kids, they can just, you know, not give them the pouch in the first place. Right. But there's going to be, you know, multiple generations that are going to die out very quickly because they don't have enough symbiotes to go around. And I'm like, that's an interesting thought of, you know, maybe you don't want to quite get rid of all the gold, at least not so rapidly. You know? If only... This was explored even a little bit. <laughs> like in the future. Because that's like, a, you're right. That's a shocking implication. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, anyway, where's Jack? Like, uh huh. And this coming from me. <laughs> yeah, it just, it's so surprising to me that that was like a throwaway line that Teal Cat and then we moved on and never came back to that. I'm like, but that's but huge. Let's come back to that. <laughs> That is huge. And, like, no wonder, like, all the Chafa now hate the Tari. I'm like, well, yeah, I get it. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> they basically sentenced them all to death. I think in another episode that's coming up really soon, we kind of learn the approximate time of gestation for a symbiote in a Jafar's pouch. And it's like seven to eight years. So that's like, I mean, it being 10 years from when we made the treaty with the Ashen means that all the Jaffa who have those symbiote pouches are probably almost all dead by now. That's like really sad. Yeah. Damn Ashen, man. Yeah, seriously. And so Dr. Fraser technically still works as a doctor, but doesn't need to basically because the Ashen brought with them so much medical equipment and knowledge that her job is essentially obsolete. And this episode Sam took a shocking um, anti-vax turn very early. <laughs> like, well, what with all these vaccines? What's the point of having a doctor? I'm going, I mean, first of all, random things still happen. Second <laughs> of all, are we suggesting that an anti-cancer vaccine, in theory... Because later we find out how messed up their vaccines are and yeah, what yeah. they're actually doing. But I don't think theory. I don't think it was so much of the vaccines as like she said, they also have a machine that can mend a broken bone like instantaneously. Or but why is so. any of that a bad thing? Well, I guess she just feels useless because I mean, it's kind of like her job being taken over by AI. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> the difference, the, no, but the difference is. That AI is like trying to take over creativity and like human expression. Whereas like if you have a machine that has the capacity to lessen someone's pain yeah. immediately. Right. Especially this coming from an American doctor. Like she's just big mad. She can't charge $50,000 to put a cast on someone's arm anymore. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, I guess you could say though that there there is something to be said about systematically getting rid of entire professions yes that is true it's actually a very topical episode <laughs> what with the strikes yeah between like systematically getting rid of professions and like people being very anti-vaccine right yeah very topical yeah i mean because if they have sophisticated enough equipment but they're also implied that Ashen doctors themselves are replacing Earth doctors. Yeah. So the it's Ashen not are the just well, it's not just that there's new machines who can do a lot of stuff. It's also they're replacing the people. So basically, the entire profession of doctors and surgeons and stuff are is being completely removed in a very short period. So then you have what probably millions of people in those professions nurses probably too who are suddenly out of work maybe even billions honestly yeah at this rate i mean if you consider basically all medical professionals are now obsolete then that's a billion people out of work yeah send the ashen back where they came from <laughs> i mean i guess over time that they could learn to do other things but then i guess it, how it, many other things are there to do right i guess then it gets to the point of if everything becomes automated then i mean i guess it's fine if you can if everybody then is able to live a life of leisure you know but even but then it depends like are the ashen doing enough 
to make it so that like like is there you know basically medicare for all you know whatever the ashen call it and is there but then that that begs the question of like a life of leisure if we mm -hmm. think of that stuff as being like the stuff we do now like recreation or vacation yeah. or whatever then people need to be offering those services and if the ashen haven't right. taken over that then you have two very distinct classes those that can afford to just do whatever and right. those who who are the service class and then also the people who are not the service class but the the idle class i guess mm -hmm. how are they making any of the money to do the leisure i don't know, you know what I mean? yeah so unless the ashen showed up with like universal basic income and that's what i was thinking and like communist style pricing schemes or socialist pricing schemes globally i don't see how that don't see how they're present but then like people. then you're right like if ever if there's universal income and nobody has to work could they realistically replace literally every job because like you said like if you go on a cruise you know who's working on the cruise ship is it all robots then, is it all what but do they deem those jobs worthy of replacing or do they make sure that they keep some people in a service class like there were there were servers working at the event mm -hmm. but if there's universal income then what would motivate people to do those jobs? Exactly. And unless the Ishan are willing to replace them, nobody's cleaning bathrooms right. on the cruise ship. Like AI, the Ishan came and took the fun job <laughs> and told everyone to just deal with it for the rest. Right. I never thought about like it. That would create a more radical class system than we have now. Yeah. I mean, it's already like, you know, the top 1% have 99% of the wealth, but it would somehow get worse, probably. Like, completely get rid of the middle class, for one thing. Man, this is <laughs> depressing. <laughs> anyway, back to the plot. So we find out that Sam and Joe have been trying to have a child for three years. And so I'm assuming that they got together fairly soon after the, they met the Ashen. Because I think Joe was one of the ones that helped negotiate the treaty. And if Jack left right away, then, you know, I guess they could have gotten together within a year or so. Yeah. Been married for a little while and then started trying to have kids. Can I say, while we're on the subject of Joe, um... He mentions off the top to Sam that he's, like, taking a trip to all nine planets uh -huh. or something. And, like, first of all, lol, because nine planets. But um, also, <laughs> I mean, I still think Pluto's a planet and Neil deGrasse Tyson can kiss it. But um, I thought he was talking about visiting the nine planets of the Ashen Confederation and their own solar system. Oh, because we have nine planets. So I thought that's what he meant. I think he meant in their solar system. Okay. Well, take it back. I thought it was our solar system. But I will say, it annoyed me at first when I still thought it was our solar system where I'm like, I hate when sci-fi does this where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's supposed to only be it's like a, a relatively small amount of time in the future. And they're like, oh, I took my hoverboard to the virtual thing and I'm going to go to Mars for dinner. And I'm like, okay, but you know what 10 years of human advancement looks like. And you know, that's not what, that's not feasible. Right. Right. Day to 10 years from now or whatever yeah. but because human advancement was done at the expense of an alien race 
like on their dime and they showed mm -hmm. up and they advanced a lot of this. And like, this is the first time where that kind of comment actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it depends if they had like big machines to come and like terraform various planets. But I don't think that they've done that I within the Earth solar system because they sp are specifically talking about converting Jupiter into a star. Right. So they wouldn't be doing that if it was populated. Not if he was like checking on it. Like I didn't think he was like stopping, but if he's like check, 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 like I just thought he was making right. it stop. But either way, my happiness stands. Yeah. <laughs> the first time that that actually tracks. I guess good, yeah. And also, we find out the Ashen definitely do not want to help them expand to other planets either. No. <laughs> so with the plot with Sam and Joe, you know, trying to have kids and Sam goes to an Ashen doctor and the doctor's like, everything looks fine. You just need to keep trying. And she talks to Dr. Frazier about this and and Janet is like, why don't you come, like, get an old-fashioned ultrasound? <laughs> you know, just in case. And so it turns out that her ovaries are completely destroyed. So they kind of figure out that... So Sam gets access to an Shen computer and discovers that the birth rate has dropped 91% in two years. Which feels like something <laughs> somebody else should have noticed. Yeah, well, they made the point that the Ashen are controlling the media. But there's underground media. It's 2010. Yeah. But then again, all of the underground media, like, things the mainstream doesn't want you to know, like, kind of sprung up more recently than 2001. Yeah, so I was trying I guess to think about, that. like, the state of the internet in 2010. I was like, well, I mean, we all had cell phones... Not but, a, there was nary an iPhone in sight here. Well, iPhones existed, but they weren't that advanced yet. Yeah. I'm not sure that they had internet access at that point, or if they did, it was like fairly rudimentary access. Because at that point, I don't I don't think I got an iPhone until maybe a couple years later. So uh, I got my first iPhone in the summer of 2009. So I, I still had okay. my first iPhone in 2010. Okay. So there are smartphones, but they're still kind of in the early stages. So there's, there's just not quite the, ex the extent of online presence as there is now you know there's not all of these underground websites that, you know and forums and stuff like that i mean there are forums but they're not nearly as big of a deal back then and so we're saying I mean, all this from our perspective now having lived right exactly whereas yeah. they're writing this in 2001 they have no idea yeah I mean, they, they're aware of the existence of forums because that was in a previous episode where Colonel Mayborn, um, Colonel Mayborn was using forums in order to like hack onto the NID website or whatever. I mean, even if there was some attempt at underground information moving, I feel like, especially with the Shen being so far advanced, they probably figured out the internet pretty quickly. And therefore are able to monitor it and shut down any dissent. You know? Yeah. At least anything that's public. Yeah, that's true. And for, for able to like hack into stuff that's private too. Who knows? And for two thousand one's knowledge of the internet. 
That would be I very would possible. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like, I mean, it's been kept a secret for two years. I feel like you wouldn't be able to get past like a decade though, because then you would start noticing that like nobody, you know, personally, yeah, which has is, been able to have kids, which is my thing. Like somebody should have noticed. Yeah, fine. It doesn't get disseminated widely, but unless they're not associating with anybody, like mm -hmm. most people are not having children. Right. Like, you think that would just start to spread by word of mouth. Yeah, I was thinking so. I mean, it certainly would not be able to spread through doctor's offices because all the doctors have been replaced. So that's very smart on the Ashen's part to get rid of earth doctors. Because then it can't be like, oh, an earth doctor noticing that none of their, none of their clients have babies anymore. It's all part of their 12-step plan. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I could, I could believe that nobody would notice within five years, but after that, I would think that people would start to talk with those in their community and be like, you I don't know. think they considered that aspect of it. Yeah. And then that makes me think like, so in the anti-aging vaccine, they disseminated this, you know, sterilization and so, basically, the, the human lifespan is about 200 years now instead of 100 years. But if people start figuring it out within 5 to 10 years, then what, are the Yashen going to, like, pack up and leave for 190 years and then come back later? You know, because I can't imagine if everybody found out that they would still be okay with the Ashen hanging around. You know what I mean? I do. I don't, I think, I think you put more thought into it now than the writers did at the time. Unless their game plan is to do this. And as soon as people start to figure it out, or as soon as people like try to put up a fight, maybe they just use the weaponry that they used to kill the gold to kill all the humans. Very possible. You know, maybe they start slow and, do as much as they can without people noticing and then just systematically wipe them out. I still think you put more thought into this than the writers. No <laughs> offense. Yeah. I mean, it, this isn't a good episode to provoke a lot of questions. Also, like if they're trying to convert Jupiter into a star, why? <laughs> why not? <laughs> I've, I'm like, what, what is the second sun? going to help us do you know see better <laughs> wouldn't that be worse like we have plenty of sunlight we don't need a second sun also jupiter is a lot closer to us than the sun is isn't it closer to us yeah uh let me look it up yeah I mean, jupiter is about 402 yeah, million miles Jupiter is 402 million miles. How far is the sun? Jupiter is 392 million miles from Earth. And, uh, oh, no. No, the sun's closer. Yeah, no, I read this wrong. The sun is closer. So it's not even going to do anything. Well, I mean, I'm sure we would feel the effects. I'm just not sure about the point. They want to make Earth into tattooing. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Like, answer my question, please. Why would that help? 
It did also make me wonder how long the Shen themselves live. Do they also live about 200 years, or are they able to prolong their own lives much longer? I don't know. I mean, I always get thrown off because so many of the alien species are humanoid. Mm-hmm. So I just presume a similar human lifespan. So I'm like, well, I guess right. if humans are living that long, so are they. But mm-hmm. not necessarily. Not yeah, not necessarily. But that's like mentally just always what I presume. So I never think of it any further than that. Unless they like explicitly say otherwise. I mean, it just kind of depends what it is that you're using to s- slow down aging and how efficient the process is. Because I mean, essentially, you would be helping cells replicate without deteriorating and how efficient is your technology to do that right because i mean if you're using something like nanites you could presumably live forever because the nanites could just keep replacing stuff right i don't know yeah so many questions. Speaking of nanites, absolute power. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was just a really good segue. <laughs> they didn't have nanites in that. Didn't they talk about it for a second? Mm, no. Nope. I don't remember nanites. Just kidding. Oh, there was. There was a throw. There was a line about how nanites were used to age jack really quickly and it might be the same type of nanites that aged the boy really quickly right yes yes you're right they gave jack a look and then jack went (laughs) i don't know maybe i'm misremembering it's all in slow-mo in my head (laughs) yeah yeah you're right good good memory (laughs) anyway so sam finds out about the birth rate dropping and decides to decides that they need to do something about it. And she goes to see Jack, who, you know, retired and is living at his cabin in Minnesota. And apparently this is Sam's first time visiting his cabin. I was like, what's He up? spent years trying to get her to go to the cabin to go mm-hmm. fishing. And now she's there and there's no fish in, in the pond. Yeah. Well, we learned that previously, that there's no fish there. There's still no fish in the pond. <laughs> he was never trying to get her to go fishing. Well, I was trying to get her to go fishing for something. Yeah. <laughs> Just not fish. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep that to myself. <laughs> and so he's still bitter because nobody listened to his warnings about the Ashen. And he was and, right. Yeah, and he was. he's like, no, I'm not going to help you. Like, you know, you made your bed, you have to light it kind of thing. And so Sam goes back home and tells her husband Joe about the sterilization. Apparently, he already knew about it. He just thought that the Ashen were going to implement about 30% sterilization rates in order to prevent the population of Earth from outgrowing, you know, resources. Um, But instead, they're trying to get to 100%, and uh, that was not in the treaty. I can't believe the alien race went back on their word. Right. I'm shocked. Shocked. This is is presumably what Hammond was murdered for. He probably knew about the sterilization and was trying to talk to Dr. Fraser about it and 
got murdered. But apparently Joe was okay with it. Because Joe is a sus individual. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I mean, essentially their marriage is done for because he lied about something so major. And he tries to blow it off like, oh, you know, your job used to be classified as the same thing. And she's like, no. Because this is decisions about her health, Joe. Her health, her body. Yeah. And you felt the need to keep it to yourself. Like, going on mission to the Stargate and potentially saving the planet or putting the planet in danger, blah, blah, blah. It's not really the same thing as getting rid of people's bodily autonomy without them knowing about it. <laughs> Just a little. Arcee's making gestures that you can't see. <laughs> Just a little different. <laughs> so, Sam and... Frazier and Daniel all meet at Sam's lab. And wait, actually, hold on, let me go back. First, they decide that they need to go to the SGC, which is no longer in use, but there might be a GDO there. And so it's Sam and Daniel, and they're going to go try to find this GDO, and they're doing this tour through this the, the old SGC and the tour guide is really annoying. <laughs> and we're walking. And we're walking. Actually, she's like, and we're walking. I like the bit on the tour where she takes them to like the replica Stargate uh-huh. and sort of explains it just and she's like, you know, you can take photos. They're only $27. And I know in 2001, this was supposed to sound ridiculous. I'm going only $27. Right? Today would be like 45 probably. Yeah. Like, wow. A steal. <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> like 27. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we live in hell. <laughs> so Sam and Daniel see that Jack was on the tour right before. So he's also there. So he changed his mind and he's going to help after all. And they somehow sneak up to the conference room. And they've managed to get their hand on some working Zat guns, which seems kind of improbable to me, but okay. <laughs> they were tucked under the floorboards in a pillowcase. Yeah. And uh, so the GDO that they find is a replica, and they're trying to figure out what to do, when Walter comes in. And I'm pretty sure this is the first time Walter is actually given a name, but <laughs> he is the gate technician who... Starting in, I want to say, like, season two, he, he was, like, here and there, and then he's kind of become a regular character now, and so he'll be, he ends up being kind of one of the, like, most recognizable faces, because he's, like, the gate technician who was always there in the gate room. Right. So even, like, with the spinoffs, anytime they go back to Earth, Walter is there. So I think this is the first time that he's named. And so he tells them that the only remaining GDO is on the president's desk in the White House. (laughs) And he lets them take the Zat guns for old time's sake as long as they return them by Thursday. (laughs) It's like, oh, thanks, Walter. And so they go to Sam's lab and they're like looking at a projection of the sun, trying to figure out if they can predict solar flares. 
and like Jack makes a dumb joke about the room being hot because they're looking at the sun. <laughs> and Joe, Sam had asked Joe to collect the real GDO for them from the president's desk. And he comes in and he looks immediately hostile towards Jack. I'm like, I think he knows that Sam and Jack used to have a thing. I think Sam said Jack's name in bed. Because <laughs> he seemed me. very upset that Jack was there. He was just like, oh, I knew you would have something to do with this. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and so Joe gives this ultimatum. He's like, I won't give you the GDO unless you promise that Sam won't play a part in this effort to send a message back in time to prevent you know our forming an alliance with the Shen. and so it's basically like jack and joe like staring each other down about whether or not sam should be involved and i'm just like um she's right there and she has her own opinion and her own right to choose what she wants to do this is a man who made body decisions for her yep without telling her yeah again another super insightful take from the writers of sg1 mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i mean i assume that he thought that sam would not be given the vaccine that had the sterilization in it <laughs> sort of like how some people pass laws thinking it's not gonna affect them mm -hmm. or the women they love yep or I should say, sorry, thinking it's not going to affect them or the individuals they love. Yeah. And lo and behold, yep. suddenly it does. <sighs> yeah. And so they just, like, talk about Sam like she's not even there, which is right there. It's really annoying. And so the computer spits out a prediction that there's going to be the right kind of solar flare that they need in 57 minutes. And that's very nice and convenient, very tidy. It's not <laughs> like a year from now. Right. <laughs> and so then they get this whole ball rolling. It seems like the timing of it is very weird because it's like, okay, they have an hour and they all like kind of go to their respective places but Joe goes up to Jack and is, like, making sure that Sam's not going to be involved and, like, thanking him for not getting her involved or whatever. And I think it was when he was talking with him and he was like, okay, we have six minutes until showtime. But then there's so much that happens. And I'm like, I feel like that was more than six minutes. Because... Within that, yeah, within that six minutes, Janet had to go through the Stargate to Chulak to give Teal'c the coordinates that he needed to dial in the Stargate. And Teal'c had to come back. And I'm like, Three I collective minutes. <laughs> that was really fast. She's sprinting. <laughs> and so... Tilk comes through the Stargate with one random Jafar that we're never going to see again. <laughs> and so 
and manages to dial the Stargate, but then the automated defense system shoots both of them down so they can't get the note through the Stargate. And so, like, Jack comes rappelling down in this very dramatic way. And he's sprinting and he gets <laughs> shot in the face and he gets shot in the chest and he's just like, wah! Yeah. And, like, meanwhile, so there's all these, like, automated laser guns, basically, around the edge of the room. And Teal'c and his Jaffa friend were able to shoot out a couple of them. And, like, Daniel is in a corner shooting at some, but they're taking so long. They're, like, waiting for one to fire before they shoot at it. I'm, like, they're literally spaced out, like, every five feet on the wall. Just start shooting all of them one by one. Like, I don't understand but then Sam and Jack don't get to get gunned down in a blaze of glory. Yeah, I mean, it's like more dramatic, I guess, but it doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> None whatsoever. So it's like, you know, Jack tries and he gets really, really close to the Stargate, but he gets shot down. And so then Daniel comes out from where he was hiding and he try- he doesn't even get as far as Jack does. And then so Sam is like, forget you, Joe. Whatever, man. I'm going to go in and help. And so she goes down and is able to grab Jack's note and put it through the Stargate before she's gunned down. It was a lot. Okay. So I have a question about this note because they throw the note through the Stargate and Uh the present day team finds it and Jack picks it up and he's all like, tell me what you think. And he has them look at it. And Daniel's like, it says, you know, do not go to this planet under any circumstance. Sign Jack. Um, And Jack's like, yeah, that's my handwriting and my signature. And Hammond just goes, yep. Believes it right away, takes the name off the, mm-hmm. like, takes the planet off the list, takes it off the dialing list, all of that. Jack is just kind of going, yeah. And I don't know if this is, like, a weird <laughs> line delivery from Richard mm-hmm. Dean Anderson or what, but it looks like Jack knows more than he's saying. I think it's a weird line delivery. Okay, because I was like, what do you know? No, I don't think he knows anything. Okay. I think he's just, like, mentally, like, thinking about what he could have been doing in the future like what had they avoided by yeah. just okay because mm-hmm. i was like what what do you know mm-hmm. yeah i think he was just thinking about the implications i don't think it was supposed to have some like weird meaning to it okay because there's no way that you they would remember any of that no no way at all yeah so yeah the uh day is saved they're definitely not going to go to that planet be a shed home world, so yay. <laughs> you said it's giving Avengers in game, just the aesthetic. Oh, okay, the clothes were something else, it was like weirdly modest. Like, there were some women who had pencil skirts on, but there was not even a, even anything close to cleavage, everything was all like wrap dresses and i'm telling you this is not an aesthetic that any people have ever worn ever yeah outside of science fiction yeah it was very easy to spot the ashen because they like are all wearing the same i feel like there's a, a word for that style of shirt dress i don't know i'm sure there's a word for it i don't know i don't know I enough feel like about I want to say that's like an African style where you have like kind of a shirt dress kind of thing, 
that comes down just below your knees and then you're wearing pants under it. You know what I'm talking about? I do. So it's culturally appropriative too. Right? <laughs> but they're all like the same shade of gray. And that's the other thing is like, even with people who are like wearing normal suits and stuff, everything is on a gray scale. There's no color in this episode. We don't have color in the future. I think Jack was wearing like a plaid shirt and jeans. I think it was the most color <laughs> the entire episode. Because like Dr. Even... Frazier went a little crazy and had like some gold in her outfit. She had like, like gold colored fabric too. Skank. Let's <laughs> just say hussy. <laughs> Before anybody comes for me, you should know I have about 15 tubes of red lipstick that, that like I own. So yeah, because even like Sam's non-uniform-ish looking clothes was like just a white t-shirt and jeans and a white coat that kind of vaguely resembled a lab coat, but it was clearly not a lab coat. Again, I had like a hood on it. It was kind of wrinkly. I was very confused by the coat. Oh, man. Yeah. I just, future, quote unquote, future fashion in sci-fi drives me crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I don't think fashion would change that drastically in 10 years. But what do I know? People writing shows and people costuming shows know anything. It's like whenever it's set, unless it's like the really far future, whenever it's set, just dial it back about 15 years mm-hmm. and change the color palette slightly. And that's the fashion of the era. Mm-hmm. Like, granted, by the time you hear this, I don't know when you're going to be hearing this because the as of recording, the SAG after WJ strikes are still ongoing. But whenever you do hear this, you should know that I was in Old Navy yesterday and saw a sweater that I owned in 2012 and a tank top that I owned in 2006 on the rack, just available to purchase. So just cycle it back about 15 years yeah. and that's the fashion. Yeah. I was just say fashion is cyclical. Like in 90s stuff was really popular a few years ago. I think we're starting to get more into early 2000s fashion now. To my horror, nobody should be wearing that <laughs> tank top. Nobody. nobody nobody should be wearing low-cut jeans. Oh my They're, god, the minute high-rise jeans become unavailable, I'm going to stop wearing jeans. Yeah, for real. <laughs> it's so funny because like as kids, we made fun of our moms wearing mom jeans, which were high-rise jeans, not realizing that they were the smartest people. Right. They look so much better on your figure. I don't see high-rise jeans as much anymore. Yeah. They're kind of becoming hard to find. It's rough. It's rough out here on these streets. All right. Are we ready for the next episode? Let's do it. Absolute power. So we open on Abydos with Kasuf, which is always nice. It's nice to see. Um, I, I put it in my notes that K- Kasuf sounds like a Farsi word, Kasif, which means dirty. And it's what I think every time they bring him up, I'm like, they could have given him a better name. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't sound problematic to me and probably nobody else. It makes me wonder if it's an Egyptian word name and maybe it doesn't mean that. I hope so. 
There's no time. I looked it up and it's like, Kasuf was a leader. I'm like, oh, Jesus, from the Bible. No, it's from Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> Half the stuff I look up for the show is like, no, it's it's original to Stargate. They it's just, just it's, it's an original to Stargate <laughs> word. So I get to be mad about it. Okay. Yay. Without being racist. All right. Well, speaking of names, we meet the child of Share and Apophis, who introduces himself as Shifu. Daniel says that it means light. It is a, na a name, or at least a word in Chinese, that means master. So, so Daniel is once again making <laughs> stuff up. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I feel like master wouldn't be a totally inappropriate word for him, considering what he's able to do. But culturally, that wouldn't but, make a ton of sense. But, like, Daniel specifically says that it means light. So I'm like, well. Daniel is, once again, just <laughs> Daniel just saying stuff. Right. And it makes me wonder who named it. Like, did he pick his own name or did Omadasala name him? I don't know. Because he aged so quickly, he could have just picked his own name. Honestly. There's no telling. So anyway, <laughs> they meet Shifu, who was, I don't know, like a 9 or 10 year old boy. And as I told you, you didn't need to be worried about the very white baby that was in the last episode. Yes. not I'm... white here. It also <laughs> doesn't look particularly Middle East, North African either. But at least it's not but the whitest baby I've ever yeah, seen. In my at least life. he's not blonde, blue eyes. <laughs> it's something. I looked up um, Shifu and it's like Kung Fu Panda. That's not what I wanted. No. So Shifu, who has aged eight or nine years in one year, is now on a mission to learn more about his mother. So that's why he went to Abydos and he wants to talk to Daniel specifically to learn more. I'm like, I'm a little confused here because Kasuf knows that there's like a presence in this particular area of the desert and that this presence has spoken Shari's name, but otherwise he hasn't actually conversed with it. And I'm like, if Shifu came to Abydos to learn about his mother, why did he not start by talking to his grandfather? You know, he because could have learned. That's not fun for us. He could have learned all about Shari's life up to the point that she met Daniel, but he doesn't. <sighs> it's to give us the emotional resolution, but the problem is they forgot to give us emotional resolution with Daniel and Shari for the last four yeah. seasons. <laughs> anyway, so they decided to bring Shifu back to the SGC because, of course, they do. And Jack seems to actually understand the metaphors that Shifu is using. And I feel like there's one of those jokes that like goes over the head of the kids watching that that might be watching the show, but is there for the parents of like it's always better to have a big long wick. That, that, okay. Maybe we were very different nine-year-olds, but I would have got what they were getting at. I don't think I would have. Maybe not nine. Like, by the time I was ten, I feel like after I turned ten, like, 
there was no more innocence. <laughs> I feel like I was I was protected for a little bit longer than that. Yeah, I just <laughs> I went to school with French kids. They operate on a different <laughs> level. That's true. Well, they're not so like prudish about things. So Shifu comes to the SGC and Oh, I think I, I tried to calculate. I think it's been about 11 months since they were at Keb. And at least according to like the air dates of the episodes, if those are like accurate in terms of like real time for the story. So, yeah, I mean, his aging was probably about 10 times as fast as it should have been. But in any case... They're having this whole like moral argument about whether or not they can compel Shifu to share the secrets of the Guawuld with them because Omatsala helped Shifu to suppress all the Guawuld's knowledge and memories in his subconscious because it you know, having all that in his conscious mind would make him evil. And so the question is, you know, should they bring in the Tokra to use a memory device on him to force him? to remember stuff about the gold so they can, you know, learn what they need to defeat the gold. And so Daniel's having a private conversation with Shifu talking about like, basically like, you know, I don't want to do this to you kid, but I gotta. <laughs> and Shifu's like, let me teach you something. And so he puts Daniel into a dream state basically, and the most of the rest of the episode is all a dream. Which coming after it was all in the future and doesn't matter anyway is just a really audacious choice. <laughs> but I guess and that's then, what happens when you have 23 episodes a season. In this one, you know Daniel's evil because he doesn't have his glasses on. I will say, I drag Daniel all the time. You all know this. But he had a line delivery. Uh-huh. That was so funny. Which one? When like Jack's, it was like s- somewhere in his. I'm gonna take over and I'm running things. And Jack's like, "Who gave you permission to give orders?" And he goes, "Actually, the Pentagon." I'm like, that. Just the <laughs> way Michael Shanks delivered that line was so funny. <laughs> I had a nice long laugh. He he does some pretty good like comic delivery sometimes. And then, then later he got weird and certain sound like an incel so that was different but. yeah <laughs> they did so many <laughs> like zoom in shots of daniel's face <laughs> like every time they did one i just like started laughing it's <laughs> like he just looks so grumpy <laughs> okay i'm gonna jump ahead since we're on the subject okay at what point when he was in like the chair and he was gonna fire something or other um and he's on speakerphone <laughs> Yeah. communicating his intent he did that thing that like men on the internet do when you correct them uh-huh. and they stop using normal words and then it's like well actually i can verify the authenticity of the blah blah and they start using words that are like above their reading level yeah <laughs> in like rapid succession i'm like daniel no like <laughs> like daniel when he's not fighting the gold like daniel's got an account on reddit <laughs> Like, talking about how Star Wars isn't what Star Wars used to be. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that was the energy. I'm like, Daniel, this isn't you. (laughs) It's true. 
<laughs> it really wasn't him. So Daniel is given this vision where, like, I mean, obviously he's not aware that he's dreaming, but he, you know, thinks that he wakes up and that he has all this knowledge of the Wool from Shifu. And so he comes up with this plan to develop a specific type of satellite that can detect the gold from coming from tens of thousands of light years away. And also they all have like laser cannons, I guess, because it's, you know, it's got this like weapon system and in these satellites, they use heavy liquid naquita to power themselves. And I'm pretty sure we never hear this term ever again. Because Heavy liquid sounds very funny. <laughs> I think they just didn't really want to think through the science of that. <laughs> so like, Heavy yeah. liquid naqua doesn't matter. It's it all a dream. Cool. Yeah, it sounds cool. We'll throw it in there and then we'll never mention it again. <laughs> and it was it was really interesting to me how quickly his delusions and hallucinations were starting. Like he was immediately suspicious and judgmental of the Tokra saying like because like they have this understanding that anytime they have information about the pool they should share it and he's like well if we tell them they might accidentally leak the information and then the gold will come and wipe us out before we can get this system put into place so we'll just keep the secret from them and everybody just kind of goes along with it i'm like mm. <laughs> okay don't know about that and then he starts having hallucinations of like using a gold hand device and like throwing people across the room and killing people and immediately like starts having an attitude he's really rude to Teal'c like man it's really kicking in fast it's like it's like that personality trait thing where it's like lingering just below the surface and the minute your inhibitions are lowered in the slightest it all comes jumping out yep that's what's going on here and yeah it's like right out of the gate he He's, like, talking over Sam. He's demanding that all this project take place within two, one year rather than two years. And they're not allowed to tell any other countries about it. And I'm like, you know, for that whole project to get done in a year, you know how long it takes to build a rocket? And they have to send up 24 rockets? I'm like, it, it takes, like, what's it take, like, six months to build a rocket? So they'd have to be building basically all of these rockets simultaneously incredibly quickly yeah. I, mean, I guess they wouldn't need to be super sophisticated because there's not any people going up they're just sending the rocket up and releasing the satellite and they have the tech for but, it so but still that's incredibly fast to build 24 rockets this is also a show where one of our main characters has a worm in his stomach. <laughs> so, hey, I'm allowed to nitpick. <laughs> yeah. But it's just like, I mean, also only having a year to produce enough heavy liquid aqueda for, because there's 288 of these satellites in total. Like, that's a huge quantity of heavy liquid aqueda. But That's why we never hear of it again, because it took too long to produce. <laughs> right? They used up all of it. <laughs> all of the Naquita in the world, in the universe is all used up now. 
And I'm just like, that's insane. They would have had to start production on all of those rockets and all of those satellites within like a couple weeks, which is insane. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I guess they do. But I'm just like, where did they get the budget for that? Because like they're keeping this whole thing a secret. They would have to get the budget approval from Congress. Because maybe they did. But what? Do you, but how? Because Congress is like public. You can't. Okay, but like, <laughs> come on, come on. Politicians want to hide the money. They can hide the money. But that's presuming that they explained the Stargate program to all of Congress. Maybe and, they did. And all of them swore to keep it secret when their jobs are as public officials? That just seems really I, I Well, all of them, all of them agreeing on something mm-hmm. is the most improbable thing. Yes. Not them keeping it a secret i could believe that mm-hmm. not them finding the money not them building 24 rockets in less than a year all of that i believe congress agreeing on something is yeah. the least plausible yeah aspect even if you argue that only two-thirds of them approved the project in general you still would have had to tell all of them so, that so they the, can vote on it right so the one-third that didn't agree with it you know are you trusting that they're not going to tell anybody like did you make them all sign NDAs like can you even ask Congress to sign NDAs like I don't know if that's legal you know I don't know yeah that's just there's there's a lot of like red tape here that I feel is just like being burst through dramatically (laughs) but I was like I guess the United States wants the control of those weapons badly enough to jump through all these hoops and which is the most plausible thing yeah well i guess another thing too is like to get the budget approved by congress that would be something that takes like minimum three months you know so they couldn't start actually building all the rockets and these satellites until they get the budget approved nah they just get started and get the money when they get the money (laughs) that's how every grifter has ever done it (laughs) it's called it's not called but it's very Anna Delvey of them they just go with it and the money will show up when it shows up it didn't work for Anna Delvey but I guess it worked it didn't really work here either it was all a dream (laughs) but it was working in the dream kind of well yeah anything works in the dream Anna Delvey's concept worked in her dreams too (laughs) you didn't come after me for this <laughs> she listens to this podcast. I I highly doubt that she listens. That to would be so funny. That would be really funny. <laughs> that was a very entertaining TV show. I mean, I know it was based on real life, but still, it was very entertaining. <laughs> anyway, so Daniel basically assigned the rest of us. Uh, she wanted to do specific things in the beginning. Sam was helping Daniel to design and create satellites but then he eventually put her on some project where she didn't know what everybody else was doing so that she would be able to see the big picture I guess what his ultimate plan was and he told Jack that he could either retrieve Naquita for him or retire very rude and apparently sent Teal'c on a mission that 
Daniel knew would get him killed. And so Silk died. Rip. So in terms so actually for our character death count, all four of them died in 2010. And Teal'c died in this one. Poor Teal'c. So we're just racking up the deaths. <laughs> and there's a scene where Daniel is wearing a hand device. And he's like, I know exactly how this works. But I can't use it because I don't have Naquita in my system. And I was like, I would bet you $10,000 that he would figure out a way to inject himself with Naquita. In order to use the hand device. <laughs> like, like if this was real life and it was in a dream and it had like continued past the point of the dream, he 100% would have figured out how to get Nakoda into his bloodstream. I think so. <laughs> and so then we have a little time jump. We're fast forwarding one year. So the mission is like 99.9% .9 done but apparently NASA is still behind schedule that tracks. <laughs> it's, I feel like they're really like throwing shade on NASA because they're like of course <laughs> like poor NASA they don't deserve the shade and so Daniel ha lives in a mansion with like a security person or at, le at least one if not two in every single room <laughs> which is just insane and He's special. <laughs> and I said he has resting mean face now. <laughs> so you know he's crazy, Daniel. Yeah. And he has a ring system in his house to get to his control room rather than using an elevator. I mean, it is faster, I guess. You know. <laughs> Why not? Why not? <laughs> I feel like this, entire, ep this entire episode is... Why not? Honestly, that's the thesis of like, actually, no, last, last uh, episode was a little more thoughtful. This whole, whole episode yeah. is just like, sure, why not? Yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> the season's and, winding down. Sure, why not? So he has this like massive control room, but it's like very like futuristic in the way that it's like there's different workstations, but they're like super spaced out. And he has this like, control chair on this platform and it's like mechanized so he like sits in the chair and then it like moves him out onto this platform it's so extra the whole thing the whole setup is so much and so they are able to do the launch and jack is there because he's trying to prevent daniel from doing something crazy and so the launch is successful and all 288 satellites are in orbit and are working fine. And so predictably the Russians are very angry because they're like, what the hell? <laughs> 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 and in a very stereotypical villain way, Daniel has this like secret red button that he pushes to take over the entire system. He's, he's like a honestly i know we joke about evil daniel a lot but this daniel is the closest he's ever been to like a cartoon bad guy i was thinking about what's that one guy's name that is it megamind the blue one you know what i'm talking yes. about yes i've never seen it but 
I feel like it reminds me of him because he did everything big like that. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Well, you need, that's a good movie. It's cute. You should see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway, it just reminded me of that. And so he decides, so initially the Russians, like, apparently have their own satellites that have some weaponry on them. They're like anti-satellite. I don't know. Anyway, Daniel shoots down the Russian satellites. Yeah. <laughs> whatever the, however we do, whatever. <laughs> he destroyed them. <laughs> so then he decides to destroy Moscow. And Jack tries to stop him. He like had a gun and he shoots it at Daniel and Daniel has a personal shield because of course he does. And so Daniel blows up Moscow. Cartoon bad guy. Bye-bye, Putin. Guess we don't have to deal with him anymore. So that's something. <laughs> He's I like, know what to say. <laughs> a little a little bit of good in that very bad act. But what about all the people living there? Well, yeah, obviously. For one guy? <laughs> yeah. He's gonna come for us too, him and Anna Delvey. <laughs> Oh man, the two of them teaming up? Mm, trouble. <laughs> yeah, I was just laughing at all of like the camera work dramatically zooming in on Daniel's face all the time. I was like, okay, once. Yeah. <laughs> How else will we know he's a cartoon villain? <laughs> and so then we finally get to realize that it was all a dream. And oh, I think there's a. Is there a line? Oh, maybe I just have it in my notes. I was wondering if there was a, a Wizard of Oz line, but I think it was just in my own notes that I was like, it was all a dream, Dorothy. <laughs> I made my own Wizard of Oz joke. Please tell me you didn't count it in the tally. No, no, no. I, I just couldn't remember for a second if it was actually in there or not. <laughs> and so it turns out that Daniel has been unconscious for uh, a few hours, I guess. It, it's indeterminate how long exactly he was unconscious for. And so the Tokra dude that came, initially, he starts to try to question Shifu on his knowledge. But Shifu basically very politely says no. And Daniel happens to wake up at the right time. It gets dressed very quickly, apparently, because he walks in the room right at the right moment. And he's like, I was having a dream that entire time. I want to say it was Jack who was like, or was it Jack or Sam? I don't know. Somebody asked, like, what did you dream about? And he's like, that's not important. Anyway, <laughs> I'm just like, not this man. <laughs> Avoiding questions about how he was super evil in his dream. <laughs> like I don't know, just you were there and you were there. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it was very illuminating. That's all you need to know. I learned a lot. <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> uh, we're not gonna question Shifu about stuff. We're just gonna let him go. And the Tokra is like WTF, and everybody else just kind of shrugs and she believes. And that's that. So, no. <laughs> I obviously liked 2010 a lot more than I liked this one. <laughs> I just, this was a lot of like, it was a lot. 
yeah packed into like 40 minutes yeah less if you take like the pre-dream stuff uh-huh. to the point where i'm like guys if ever there was time to do a two-parter <laughs> it was here do you know what i mean yeah it was just so much plot like you could have done everything prior to the time jump in part one and then jump to one year later like we have these rockets <gasps> and then you come back next week for part two well, to be fair, there are times when we've had two-parters that you have said could have been a one-parter. Yes. So. This one should have been a two-parter. Like, <laughs> you don't need Spider-Bots to be a two-parter. This needed to be a two-parter. <laughs> Spider-Bots you could have done in a week. They're, I don't know what they're actually called. Except about the replicators? Yeah. <laughs> the replicators. That could have been one episode. This needed to be two. Oh, okay. It was just so much. Yeah. In 35 minutes. Yeah. guess so. I thought you would be entertained by Evil Daniel. I was. I was very entertained by how comically Evil Daniel was. <laughs> and he had uh, $2,000 champagne bottles. Because, of course. I want to see what brand has $2,000. I'm sure several do. I know, but... That Champions League. <laughs> Krug champagne. What's the most expensive champagne? Probably like Magnum 2.5. And it's because it's got Swarovski on it. Uh-huh. Oh, NFTs. What? I don't know. They come with NFTs and that's why it costs so much. Oh. That's upsetting. That's okay, weird. I'm closing that now. I'm done. <laughs> So anything else in this particular episode we haven't gotten to? I feel like we covered no, it. I think we covered it. Yeah. Um, I hope you're not too attached to Shifu because we will not see him again. I'm not attached to Shifu at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is the only episode that he appears in. The actor that plays him, this was almost the last acting credit that he has. So he only did stuff as a kid. Found that interesting. So yeah, no more Shifu. Is there anything problematic in these episodes? No. Initially, I thought all of the anti-medicine stuff was problematic. But, I think it made sense in context. Yeah, it was like, it was not presented as correct in context. Yeah, it was very much like, vaccines are bad because they're also sterilizing us. Not that they're yeah, bad on was, their own. <laughs> like, like the, the problems that they had with it were the right problems to have. Right, yeah. <laughs> there was actually something extra in the vaccine. Unlike our life. Now, to everybody listening to this, Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, and all of the other ones were made by people, <laughs> not by aliens. <laughs> I know the White House came out and said we got aliens. <laughs> it's not those aliens. I it's can not say that with yeah, it, yeah, it's not them. They're not here. Are you sure the Ashen aren't real? I'm positive. <laughs> Seem very confident. I am one of them. 
Oh no! 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 You wear too much color. You wear too much color, and you're too like happy. That's <laughs> how we. I mean, how they get you. <laughs> I don't think these shown are particularly good actors. They're good at keeping secrets. That doesn't mean they're very good actors necessarily. In terms of, like, I am good at neither. <laughs> <laughs> or am I? You can keep secrets. Yeah, I can keep secrets. I'm just not a very yeah. good actor. <laughs> Do you think these episodes hold up for a modern audience? Yeah, I think they so. do. I think I think they're actually kind of, especially 2010, more topical now than they were. Yeah, yeah they're pretty topical. Yeah, 2010 has a lot of a lot of stuff to think about. Mm-hmm. I feel like it posed more questions than it answered, but you know, it's okay. Such as such is the way with the best episodes. Yeah, I mean, if it gets you talking, you know, that's good. Yeah, thing. Exactly. <laughs> Anything else we missed talking about? Nope. Okay. Next week we're going to be talking about SG1 season four episodes eighteen and nineteen, "The Light" and "Prodigy." I I assume that everybody listening to this podcast has seen the show already. But if for some reason you haven't seen the show yet and you're watching it for the first time, the light is very depressing. So just a heads up. This <laughs> extremely depressing episode. Do we need a content warning for that one? Oh, yes. There's going to be a massive content warning for suicide. Oh, boy. Yes. Proceed with caution. Yeah. So... Uh, I'm going to give you a quote from the next episode to guess. Because okay. it's not as depressing. <laughs> okay, you ready? hmm From this point on, everything you knew about the universe is about to be turned upside down. So, I have a question mm-hmm. about this. You said these quotes are only from our core group, right? They're not, yes. like, from the Alien of the Week. Correct. Daniel. It's Daniel. Okay. What context? Mid-episode, something's happening with the titular prodigy, mm-hmm. and he's about to explain. Okay. Well, we'll find out next week. That's it for today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would love for you to rate us five stars wherever you can. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can currently find us on Twitter and Tumblr at Wormful Waffles. Maybe other places by the time this comes out. Who knows? <laughs> We're on the moon. Come find us there. Yeah. Who knows? You can currently find me on Twitter at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I have accounts on Tumblr, Blue Sky, and Instagram at ArzuD2. As a network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We are at thegeekywaffle.com. We are the geeky waffle on YouTube. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.